Good evening. Please have a seat. Kindly keep your Bibles open at Luke chapter 2 that was just read. And there's an outline in the middle of your bulletin if that's helpful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. We submit ourselves to your word. And Father, as we read about this account of Christ being presented at the temple, help us, Father, to know what your will is through the Spirit and how you want us to respond to your word. Help me to preach faithfully. Help us to respond to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How would you feel if you had this opportunity to hold a baby long ago and then later on you find out that that child was someone famous like Barack Obama, Trump, or Mahade. What stories would you tell your own children? What would you feel? Well, in today's passage, we see someone who gets to hold an important baby. So let's see how that works out in the passage. Our passage begins with this scene at the temple. Mary had given birth to Jesus. And Jewish law states that they are to come to the temple as part of a purification ritual. But more than just the purification ritual, there's also a second legal requirement as well that is to be fulfilled here, which is the redeeming of the firstborn male child. The parents then will have to come to the temple to redeem this child, to dedicate him to the Lord. So what is happening here is simply that they were following the requirements as seen in Exodus 13 and other parts of the Old Testament law. So the point that we can take from this so far is that the parents of Jesus were people who were pious, were people who followed God's Old Testament law. And this has led them to bring the child to the temple of the Lord. And here in the text, we see them offering two pigeons and this is the offering of the poor people. The rich will offer a pigeon and a lamb. And of course, we can't help but notice a little touch of irony here. They weren't rich. They couldn't afford to offer a lamb to be sacrificed. Yet the child that they have with them, the child that they dedicate to the Lord, is actually the lamb of God himself. And then, as the child is dedicated, the child is pronounced to be holy, and that he belongs to God. And we notice another irony here. Because one day, his parents will come to just fully appreciate how much Jesus belongs to God. As they watch him grow, as they see him do things and hear him say the things that he does. So as we look at this little slice of life narrative here, we will notice these little ironies. And we'll think that, Oh, that's a nice insider perspective on what's happening. However, if you're familiar with our Old Testament, then you see a greater picture being unraveled here. And suddenly, what seemed to be a small event becomes an event with great significance. You see, what is happening here is that Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, takes on human flesh. He's born of a virgin. He's circumcised as an Israelite. And now, he finally steps into the temple. And what's the significance of this? Well, to answer this, we need to go to the Old Testament reading, Malachi chapter 3. And we will read there 
Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord will suddenly come into his temple. The entrance of Jesus into the temple is a fulfillment of this. The Lord has finally come into his temple. Nobody knew it then. It was just an infant coming in. But the Holy Spirit reveals it to people. And this also means that the message of a new covenant is coming up. And this also means that events are bringing us one step closer to the prophesied day of the Lord, the day when God will purify Israel. And so, actually what's happening here is this is the culmination of all the Old Testament promises coming to an end because God has come and he's bringing in the new. And so if we understand this, then to see that infant Jesus in the temple should bring us down to our knees as we realize just how big this event is. And as we think of how this applies to us for today, we can see that we are also, through Jesus, consecrated and dedicated to God. And that's what we mean when we say that we are God's holy people. It doesn't mean that we walk around and we have rings above our heads or glowing dinner plates behind our heads. Being holy to the Lord means we have been bought with a price. We have been redeemed for the Lord's use. So we should be thinking then of how our life looks like in light of this reality that we now belong to God. And we look to Jesus how he responds to being dedicated by living his life in perfect obedience to God's word, delighting in his Father in heaven. And so in the same way, we too are to live in that manner. However, we fail. We are imperfect in our devotion to God. And there's still good news for us because we can look at this event and see Christ being devoted, Christ representing us in his humanity. And that gives us comfort, actually, because even though we fail, Christ doesn't fail. Christ fulfills the fullness of the meaning of being consecrated to God. And therefore, as people who are united with Christ at the cross, we too are counted as holy, consecrated sons of God, just like him. And it is for this reason that Christ came in the flesh to do all things in accordance with righteousness so that he fulfills that which we cannot fulfill. And therefore, we should be thankful and we should seek to live our lives in a way that reflects this great mercy. Then we come to the next part of the message and we see Simeon. We see him in verse 25 where he's introduced as a man in Jerusalem. And interestingly, 
We are not told much about him. We don't know his vocation. He isn't identified as a priest. We're not sure if he's a leader of the people. Luke just calls him a man in Jerusalem. And perhaps that is the point. You see, it doesn't matter what you do, who you are. What matters is your spiritual condition. And here, Luke describes what is actually important. Simeon is a righteous and devoured man. And that's what's most important when we look at a person, isn't it? And besides his character, we also see that the Holy Spirit is at work. And he has revealed to Simeon that he will see the Christ, the Messiah, before he dies. So we see here that Simeon is not only someone who lives as a devout man, he's also someone who lives in the hope of the promises of God. The reason being because he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. He is believing in the words of Scripture. And as God has promised to Simeon, he gets to see the Messiah before he dies, right here. And we can see how much grace God shows him. Because he not only sees the Savior, he carries him in his own arms. How wonderful is that? Waiting your whole life and having the Savior come to your arms. So led by the Spirit, he did what was required according to the customs of the law. And after this, he blesses God and he sang a song, a song that will be familiar to you, the Nang Dibintis. And in this song, we see his acknowledgement of how now he can die in peace because he has seen that salvation that God has prepared. The salvation that is for all people. The salvation that comes in the form of a baby that he's holding in his hands. And that realization then that this one is the one who reveals salvation to the Gentiles, who brings glory to the people of Israel. This child is the salvation of the Lord come down in flesh. So in Simeon's song, Simeon then says, that having known the assurance of God's salvation, having come to finally see the Messiah himself, he can die peacefully. And in the same way, we can see that this is the right response for us to, as we know the Savior, we can actually die in peace. Now, I'm not trying to make it into something tried, but actually if you think about it, if we know Jesus, we are assured of his salvation, we know that our sins are dealt with, that then becomes something that does not need to be feared. Even when it comes for us, even when death knows your name, even when it's something as scary as the coronavirus. So following that, Simeon then gave a prophecy to Mary. And the prophecy comes in two parts. The first part is, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And we know from Malachi that when the Lord comes into his temple, that is the signal that the day of the Lord is coming soon. And that is the day that God will come bringing judgment. 
the Lord comes as a refiner and a purifier and he will refine and purify the people of Israel. And the picture then, we can see that some God will refine and purify into disciples. This would be those who follow him, the humble and the meek who obey him, those who come to God for mercy. But there will be another group one that will be consumed by the judgment. These are the proud ones, the scoffers, those who reject Jesus, those who seek to look at their own works to justify their salvation. So the coming of Jesus will bring about the exaltation of the meek, but at the same time will also bring the downfall of the proud, the leaders of Israel, the teachers, those who reject Jesus. And then we come to the second part of the prophecy. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, Simeon tells Mary. And this shows us that in Jesus coming to bring this great reversal, this judgment that was prophesied, Mary's heart will be grievously wounded. And no doubt, this is talking about the great sorrow she will have to endure when she realizes the cost that Jesus will pay in order to bring about this great salvation. As the earlier part of the prophecy said, Jesus shall be a sign that is opposed. Not everyone will accept him. So because of that, there will come a day when Mary will have to face the fact that her beloved son will be mocked, beaten, forced to carry his own cross up Mount Calvary she will have to see him crucified before her. She will have to see her son die, abandoned by everyone at the moment of his death, cursed on that cross. For a mother, this great sacrifice of Jesus is like a sword through the heart. But ultimately, these things are not without purpose. For Simeon also made it clear in his prophecy that these things happen so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In other words, through what Jesus does, man's heart will be exposed before God. See, how people come to Jesus, how people treat Jesus, that reveals without a doubt how their heart really is before God. Those who obey and follow Jesus are those who are humble before God, those who are obedient to him. And those who hate Jesus, those who reject him, these are the wicked and the proudful one before God. And they will be rejected by God. So we should see here as well that all these things that's happening is happening not just based on the wisdom of man, as Simeon comes and utters his blessing, as Simeon says these prophecies, all these things that he does are clearly attributed to the work of the Spirit. It is the Spirit that is revealing these great truths to his parents. It is the Spirit that reveals these truths to us. And so we can learn from this. We can see that the Spirit has an active role which is to bring us to trust in God, 
bring us to respond rightly to him. And we can see the role of the Spirit here. And it is to point to Christ, to point to the work that he accomplishes. So when we talk about living a right Spirit-led life, we can see that revealed in the same way that we see that revealed in Simeon's life. It's revealed through how we praise God. It's revealed through how we focus on Christ as the sum of all things. And so living a spirit-driven life is actually not about the miracles that you do. It's not about the gifts of the spirit that you exhibit. But ultimately, it is about how your life points to Christ and the sufficiency of Christ in your life. And then for the next point, we see another example of a godly person. And here we see Anna, verse 36. She lost her husband at a very young age. But instead of looking to get remarried, she showed an extraordinary desire to serve God. And we see in verse 37, she did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. So we see in Anna, someone who chooses a lifetime of service to God over remarriage. And in a sense, then we can say that all her life is being poured out to the Lord in service. And we see here another picture of a pious Israel. The person that Christ came to save. And when she is faced with this amazing revelation that this infant Jesus is the Messiah, what does she do? She begins to give thanks to God and she begins to speak of the salvation that is to come. And again, we are hammered with the same picture of how faithful people will respond when faced with Jesus. Out come utterance of praises to God and out comes the proclamation of the good news of God's impending salvation. Faithfulness to God leads to praise of God, leads to the proclamation of the gospel. And who hears this message that Anna utters? And we see in the text, it's actually limited. It is all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And again, we are reminded that Jesus is appointed to the fall and rising of many. And so even here, this good news of salvation it only comes to those who are waiting on God's promises, those who trusted in the scripture. And for us, we can see from the response of both Simeon and Anna an example of how we ought to behave when we come to Christ. The pious, obedient ones, the humble ones, these are the ones that Christ comes to exalt. And these are people who speak to others of the mercies of God, of God's coming salvation. These are people who bring the gospel to others. So we too, if we belong to this group, if Christ is our saviour, then we must be people who go out and tell people about the gospel. Don't be the silent ones who don't long for God's salvation, who don't care about the gospel, who have no desire to tell people about the salvation that has come. 
My dear brothers and sisters, urge you, look within yourself. If there's anything that prevents you, if your heart is hardened and you don't care about the salvation that God has wrought for you, if you don't care for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, then can I urge you to repent? Put your pride, put your desires aside and seek to do what is right. Respond to God so that on that day when Christ returns, you will not be found wanting in your faith. And with that then, we come to the last part in verse 39. And we see that having done everything obediently according to the law, they return back to the small backwater town of Nazareth. And it is here, far from the greatness of the towns of Israel, far from the seat of power and authority, that Jesus grew. And he became strong. And, see, and we see here, not only did Jesus grow physically, he's also filled with wisdom from God. And it shows us something here, that despite this great expectation and prophecies that we have of Jesus, Jesus is in so many ways like us in his humanity. He grows, he comes into maturity, he comes into obedience. And all of this not in some magical manner, but in a humanly manner, through growth, through learning to trust in his heavenly father. So we see here a Jesus who, despite the greatness that we have seen prophesied, despite the fact that he's the divine Messiah who comes to save, he is fully human as well. And the favor of God was upon him because he was the son of God. He was the servant who does all things well, as Isaiah said. And so this coming of Christ marks the beginning of the prophecy of the Lord coming into his temple. But we also know that this isn't the fullness of it because we will see Jesus return to the temple again and again. The next time he does it is as a child where he goes missing for three days to, only to find him in his father's house teaching others of God's word. And again, we find him as an adult in the temple, this time to teach, to correct the wrong teachings as well as to drive out those who have made the temple into a den of robbers. And ultimately, Christ will come down again. And this time, he himself is the temple of the Lord. And he will come, bringing with him a greater judgment. He comes to bring about the fall and rise of many. So can I urge you, turn to Christ Come to him. Don't be found in opposition to him on that day. And friends, as we reflect on the truths that we have learned today, can I urge you to reflect on your relationship with Jesus? Will the return of Christ be good or bad for you? Look at the character then of these people that we have seen in our passage, Simeon and Anna. Can you relate to them? Do you desire to be like them? Or do you think they're foolish? That what they do is something strange. That you see no inclination to seek to follow them. And if you examine yourself, if you find doubts, if you're not sure of where you stand in your faith, then remember, God is a God of mercy. He sent his son that day. 
And so, there's always time to repent and turn to him. Look at Simeon. Having a promise from God himself that he will behold the Messiah, Simeon did not exalt himself. We see him serving in the temple diligently. We see him being led by the Spirit. Anna, the prophetess, did not look for remarriage, even though that would have made her life so much easier. Instead, she chose to offer her life to God as a sacrifice, as she prays and worship him, as she served in the temple day and night. So as we come to an end, can I encourage you to look at these people? To look at how they can speak to us about how we can be changing how we live our lives and help us to respond to God rightly. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks for your message. We give you thanks for the work of your Spirit in pointing us to Christ. Thank you, Lord, that your Son came into the temple. Thank you, Lord, that he now reigns as Lord. And Father, we pray that you will find each and everyone here firm in the faith, saved by Christ. And Father, if there is anyone who is lost, who is struggling, we pray that you will have mercy, Father, and lead them back to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.